Welcome to the Side Action Podcast, the sports gambling show that covers everything in the world of sports betting from A through Z. We'll cover the four major sports as well as anything and everything in between worth some action and we'll increase the size of your bankroll. And here we go. Welcome to the Side Action Podcast, episode 80. That's a, it's episode 11 of season 3. My name is Jim Weglars, a.k.a. Weggs. You can follow me at Wegspool on Twitter and Instagram. And this is Steve Roberts, a.k.a. Action. You can follow me on Twitter at 31SRoberts. Follow the podcast at Side Action Pod on Twitter and on YouTube. So how was your weekend, Action? Anything exciting? Um, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't Making quite remember moves. what it was, but it was super exciting. Mm. That exciting, huh? Yeah, it was. Well, I, I said, I told you, and I put on our outline, sorry, America, the Shockers still are, 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 we do not have a championship. We uh, rolled in, crushed in the semis again, and just just sucked again in the finals, man. It's just disappointing. It's 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 the same thing every year, same script. Usually the games are a little closer. We got we got hammered though, 32 to six. We we, we were led six to nothing, and then um, yeah, a lot of turnovers, wow. not, not a lot of stops, and um, disappointment. Did hit the four shadows for a little beverages afterwards, kind of a private party so to speak, to support those guys. And then um, other than that, it's kind of lockdown central over here in Chicago, so not a lot to do. So I'm just sitting yeah. around. Yeah, definitely lockdown timing. It sounds like the Shockers had a Falcon-like effort on defense last week. Hopefully that doesn't uh, impact yeah. your uh, gameplay at all. But, hey, next year is a new season. Yep. And I'm sure the Shockers will be back. Yeah, yeah. We'll see if, if Jimmy Weggs is. But um, the other uh, thing which we'll talk about in our picks, had a terrible week at the books. Um, you know, went 1-4 and four personally, which – mirrored a lot of our picks unfortunately um so it was a rough weekend but hey we'll get back on the horse get get right to it you know yeah that's likely why i forgot everything that happened last weekend is <laughs> due to our record and we can forget about that and turn the page i think yeah you're, you're a great cornerback you just next play right mm-hmm. next play so well, let's go quickly over these COVID updates there's a proliferation as usual uh you got atlanta dante fowler you've got kansas city there's some offensive tackles and like the whole offensive line, I guess that's just a tracing situation. I don't know if anybody's actually out yet. Mm-hmm. And McCulk Hardman, the wide receiver. Um, Vegas ended up having um, – they've got a couple guys out too in that game. Marcus Joyner and Cleveland Farrell. Uh, they may not be out yet, but they're in the protocol. And the Chargers, you know, they've got a guard out. The Giants, the kicker, Graham Gano. And then San Francisco, what else is new? <laughs> Eric Armstead on the defensive line is out. And then um, ten- Tennessee's got a linebacker out. And even uh, even the defensive tackle from Washington. So it's just kind of spreading across America, isn't it, actually? Yeah, not just the NFL landscape. I think it's spreading you know, literally everywhere. So yeah. I'm sure that this isn't the only list of folks that are dealing with symptoms or other tracing issues this week. So definitely check your check your rosters, check the check Twitter. That's what I always do. Check Twitter, and then I check the active report, see if people are active. Usually, come Saturday, they'll they'll let they'll let you know about the COVID guys. Yeah, I think for the most part, though, like you said, most of these guys are just tracing. So it's expected that they're going to be back. At least I know in the case of the Chiefs' offensive line, 
not positive right. about the rest of these. Right. Let's go over the numbers in week 10. Uh, it was definitely a reversion, uh, you know, I guess regression back to the mean. The home teams crushed it 11-3 and three this week. We haven't seen this in weeks. We haven't really seen it all season. So the home teams came through. And then favorites, 9-5 and five this week. They just destroyed it this week. I, I, you know, maybe we can find an answer to that at some point. But um, the, over, the overs and unders were pretty much split 6-8, and eight, so that was more typical. Any uh, idea on what happened this weekend where we had a complete flip over what we've seen for weeks? No idea, really. Uh, I mean, I think that it's probably true that the there's not really any home field advantage. I think it's probably just an aberration in terms of the trend that we've seen all season long mm -hmm. where the matchup advantages just favored the home teams this week. I think right. in one specific case we'll get to later in New England, the weather gods just rose up and screwed the Ravens really because that was a typical Bill Belichick Patriots performance uh, in the rainstorm on Sunday. Right. Agreed. There were a lot of short home favorites. Maybe that has something to do with it. Uh, most of them covered. So it was an interesting weekend and, and obviously it hurt us in the picks and personally, but um, you know, keep on going. I had some positive this week. Uh, the Bucks. the Bucks decided uh, to run the football. You know, they, they just ran all over Carolina. We kind of liked Carolina initially, and then we backed off, thankfully, mm -hmm. um, because Ronald Jones dominated. He had that 98-yard rush, but he also had you know, another almost 100 yards besides that on 192 yards and that big touchdown, and they dominate Carolina 46-23. to And we'll talk later injuries, but Teddy Bridgewater went out of this game. Yeah, I did see that. Teddy's questionable this week. And uh, just a dominating performance by Ronald Jones. I know that throughout NFL media landscape, folks were predicting that Leonard Fournette would have a huge game. And, of course, <laughs> the Bucks flipped it on us. And uh, it was Ronald Jones who went to the house a few times. Right. He was really good. Uh, another game, which was actually just one for the books, we'll talk on both sides of this. On a positive side, even though they lost the game, the Bills are a passing team, I wrote down. You know, I've obviously been promoting Josh Allen for president, Josh Allen for MVP for a long time, but he did have a couple picks in this game, but it's really his receivers. I mean, Stephon Diggs and Cole Beasley, they combined for 202 yards in this game on 21 receptions, two touchdowns, the critical touchdown that put the Bills ahead late. They did not win the game, um, but they lose the game 32-30. But this team can score, and they can score in different ways. They're not really a rushing team like they've been in the past, so it's, it's kind of different. Yeah, they are definitely putting up points aplenty, and uh, it's quite necessary given their lackluster play on defense. So <laughs> Josh Allen, thankfully they have Josh Allen in that passing game because if not, they would be uh, be out of a lot of games early. That's true. That's true. I mean, maybe eventually if they get Josh Norman back or something like that. They had you know some injuries, but still, you're right. Um, but they they put them up, and then the Dolphins. I know, and I, I man, I got you to talk me off the Dolphins. But the Dolphins, man, this team's for real, dude. I mean, they've won five straight now. They beat the Chargers 29-21. It really wasn't that close. Uh, and obviously the Sharps and, and us, you know, went on the Chargers again. Um, but now the Dolphins are just a half game out of first place in the AFC East. If they win this week with Buffalo on by, they're tied for first. Yeah, the Dolphins are definitely going to be a force to reckon with in the AFC East. and. They certainly said screw all this sharp money and line movement because they took it to the Chargers on Sunday. And the defense played well again, holding Herbert and the Chargers passing game to only 187 yards. 
And wow. uh, Tua just did enough. I mean, another game where Tua didn't really do anything exemplary, only 170 right. passing yards. But how about this running back, Ahmed, who just came out of nowhere? At least for me, it's yeah. had a very nice game. So the Dolphins are definitely going to be in the race. Yeah, their running backs have been plug and play. I mean, Gaskin was really good early in the season, got hurt. He's supposed to come back next week. This guy got plugged in, and they had Brita for a minute. Uh, it doesn't really matter, and I think it's, you know, I think Flores is a good coach. You know, he's definitely got this team believing. The end of last year, I mean, we used to bet, God, we couldn't even get a number that they could cover on the negative side last year, and then they closed the season winning like five out of the last six and went over the win total, and they've really, since that time, have really, you know, played great football. So look out, they could be a playoff team. Mm-hmm. On the negative side, I, I had to list a couple bad beats, which, you know, of course, is, is our favorite topic on the ESPN show with Van Pelt. Bad beat number one, the Browns. They've screwed us twice in the contest, very similarly. This time, they were three-and-a-half-point favorites in the contest, winning 10-7. I didn't think they were going to cover. I was all dejected. And then I see Nick Chubb breaks this, like, 70-yard run, and he just runs out of bounds at the one. He doesn't score. And then the, the Cleveland decides to kneel on it for the last minute and then gives us the loss in the contest. It's just, man, this team is crushing us in the contest. Yeah, the Browns have beaten us by the hook twice this season. <laughs> Earlier in the year it was the place kicker missing a PAT against the Bengals. That cost us another win. And right. uh, this week, you know, I hate to say it, it was really the the last drive by the Texans that got in the end zone that was the killer one in this game because yeah. the Texans couldn't do anything on offense, and then they had like a 90-yard drive in the last quarter to close mm-hmm. within three. And uh, I can't really blame Nick Chubb for that decision. I think that was probably the correct one, at least uh, not scoring. Maybe he should have stayed in bounds. But, sure. Um, it was definitely a what-the-hell kind of moment. <laughs> And the first, and the first one on the afternoon. I know the second one is bad beat number two. Now, granted, this depends on you have to get the best of the number. We've always talked about this in, in past years and podcast history here. Get the best of the number because the contest number was one and a half. Mm-hmm. But personally, I got two and a half in the in the game. The Cardinals were hosting that Bills team that we just talked about. What an amazing game! Kind of back and forth, really exciting stuff. Um, the Cardinals throw what, what they're calling the Hail Murray, not the Hail Mary, uh, with basically no time left to DeAndre Hopkins, who went up in traffic with three guys around him, makes an incredible catch, and they take the lead by two. If they kick the extra point, they cover the two and a half, which everybody was thinking. I was jumping up and down, so excited to win my bet and, and everything. They decided to go for two and kneel on it. I have never seen that in my life action in any level of football. I understand the concept. You get blocked, they return it for a a two-point conversion, they tie the game, but how often does that happen? I mean, maybe they miss the extra point, but damn, that's a rough beat. Yeah, definitely. Again, I can't blame Kingsbury. It's the right play, (laughs) analytically speaking, and of course, you know, Cliff and his analytics (laughs) <laughs> but uh, that touchdown was remarkable, and oh. not only did it end up uh, being really close to the point spread, but it put the game over the total. I think it closed at 56, which would have been a push, and right. uh, I think the second half total had already been decided, but uh, 
for me personally, I had a DeAndre, DeAndre Hopkins receptions bet, which was six and a half, and that was his oh, seventh catch. Oh, oh. So wow, it was quite you really the outcome. In. You cashed in there. Yeah, I did. Yeah, that was just an incredible catch, and obviously, somewhere you know, Bill O'Brien is is saying ah, he's not that good. <laughs> right, <laughs> idiot. The worst trade in NFL history. All right, so the next bad a negative is the Bears' offense. Wow. We took the Bears in the contest. I was all for it. Regardless of Bill Lazor, they just, they never lose. First of all, Kirk Cousins had never won on, on Monday Night Football in his career. Mm-hmm. The Bears rarely lose at home to the Vikings. And even with all that, they still had a chance, man. I mean, this was a, what was it? it was a, they were a two and a half point dog at home or something like that. Yeah. Right? Or maybe it's three. And they switched to Bill Lazor, and this offense was worse. I mean, I don't even know what they were doing on third down. They couldn't convert a third third down. 149 yards total in the game. Only two first downs in the second half. The first three drives of the second half, they go three and out. This is after they returned a kickoff to the house to open the second half. It's the fourth straight loss for the Bears, and the Vikings do win 19-13. Good for them. They did kind of hold down Dalvin Cook, but I don't know what to say about this game. Just an awful offensive effort. Yeah, I uh, will admit to you, Wags, I had to turn it off. I couldn't watch oh, yeah. it any longer. Just the Bears' <laughs> offense, that, and really the Vikings, too. There wasn't much going on in that game whatsoever. Oh, yeah. As a football fan, it was very demoralizing to watch. And, um, you know, I don't know if you heard all week, last week, Polly Howard was talking up the Bears as pick of the century and offered to buy everyone drinks at Circa. If oh, the Bears kidding. lost, so oh. I'm, I'm uh, heading there on Saturday, and I'm gonna cash in on my Polly Howard free drink. Yeah, you gotta do it. You gotta do it. The other thing that came out of this, Nick Foles appeared to get hurt. He looked like he was very hurt. I think it's not as bad as it at first appeared, but um, but anyway, uh, you know, he's got a bye week to to heal up. So we'll see. The last um, you know, negative is Wilson, Russell Wilson. He's, he was a prohibitive favorite going into the week as the MVP, but he really played poorly down the stretch. Uh, they were showing some tape on ESPN where he had the chance to run, and he's thrown across the field for a pick and had two big picks. They really didn't get it done against the Rams. Now, the Rams, we talked about it. I liked them a lot. Um, I actually kind of doubled down on that bet a little bit and won this one, the one nice. win of the week. Nice. Uh, the Seahawks lose 23-16, to 16 and – 16 points is definitely the lowest output for this Seahawks offense all year. Yeah, yeah, bad performance by Russell Wilson. I think you and I traded some texts that he is pissing away the MVP prize here with that last couple of performances. And, sure. And uh, this team, their division chances as well, that now have a huge game tonight against um, Arizona at home. And uh, if they don't win this one, they could be looking out on the playoffs even. So, yeah. Um, out of DVOA always ranks quarterback performances for the week, and Russell Wilson was 25 out of the 29 qualifiers. And uh, another one that I would like to touch on is Drew Locke and the Denver Broncos, another one of our losses this week. What a putrid performance <laughs> by them. Just so bad. 257 passing yards, but two really crucial interceptions in the first half, and that doomed the Broncos on Sunday. And they can't stop. They couldn't stop Jacobs, man. He was running all over them. It was um, the rough game. Even Booker had a good game. They, I thought that defense was decent against the run, mm-hmm. but not against the Raiders. So, yeah, they're they're a team. And and now Locks hurt, right? Isn't it yeah. going to be ripped this week? So, well, that's a good segue. Look at this. I'm getting better action. So there now, 
lots of injuries this week, especially a quarterback. Um, one was a big one we'll talk about later in the matchups. New Orleans, Drew Brees went, went down, got kind of crushed on a play. I guess he stayed in the game, but effectively broke ribs on both sides of his uh, rib cage, and that eventually led to a collapsed lung. He's going to be out several weeks now. That's that's rough. Um, <laughs> step in Jameis Winston, which we'll talk about in a minute. Um, we mentioned the Teddy Bridgewater sprained knee. He's questionable this week. Um, D- Drew Locke also has a rim injury. He's questionable. Like I said, I think Rippon's playing in his place. Uh, you've got some other injuries. You've got Jair Alexander for Green Bay, a concussion. He's questionable, as well as Kevin King at corner, who has a hamstring issue. He's also questionable, so watch out in that one. The Rams did come out of that game against Seattle with a little bit of a bang-up. Taylor Taylor Rapp, their, their safety, uh, hurt his knee, and he's on the IR. And then you've also got Andrew Whitworth, who he's a big part of that offense. His knee got hurt. He's on the IR. So that, that could hurt the Rams. Um, lastly, you've got uh, – well, lastly, San Francisco has another running back hurt. Uh, Jamichael Hasty got hurt. For, I, think, I don't know if he broke his collarbone or what, but he's on IR. And then uh, I also noted Washington's offensive tackle, Sadiq Charles, his knee, he's on IR. So I already mentioned Nick Foles. And another big injury from that Bears game was Akeem Hicks. He got hurt with a hamstring that kind of opened up the running attack a little bit, but they're on by. And you just added Stafford. So what's up with Stafford? Yeah, Matthew Stafford, also questionable this week with a hand injury. Don't know if it's his throwing hand, but I would assume so, given his injury status. And I know that game is still off the board in a number of places, both because of Bridgewater and Stafford. Right. Interesting. Well, let's just roll right into the previews and see how these injuries affect things. Um, I'm, I'm curious. Obviously, there's a great game tonight. We're not going to be putting it in the contest, but just an awesome game. Arizona's going to Seattle. Epic game for first place in the NFC West. It opened up at um, minus three for Seattle, who's at home, and the 59-point total circa is basically showing those same numbers, a little bit lower total at 57, but minus three in the contest. We won't pick it in the contest, but... Do you have any leanings in, in what's going on tonight? Yeah, I played a little bit of Seattle at minus three. I feel like that it's just a little bit of value getting a depressed number there. It opened at five and a half, and uh, I think that move down to three is a little bit of value with the home Seahawk team. So that's where my money's at. How about gotcha. you? Well, on paper, I like Arizona. I think that that big win on Sunday will actually hurt them in this one. Just kind of, you know, an emotional, you know, roller coaster and Seattle has a bad taste in their mouth. I don't think to your point in the the total of the Bills Arizona, which we mentioned last week, I don't think Seattle's offense will be held down like they were against the Rams this week. I think they're going to score some points, so I do I probably would lean to Seattle in this one. Okay, and the over, it sounds like you like. Right? Yeah, the over, 57, that's a big number. <laughs> True. Yeah, so. Um, all right, so this, now in the main card, let's go to some picks here. We didn't talk about this game, which was another one, could have been a negative for Baltimore. Uh, New England gets the big win on Sunday Night Football. It was one of our picks again against Baltimore. They go to Houston this time. Houston, I don't know when the opener was really, but they were two-and-a-half-point favorites originally. And the total 47, now that's flipped, where New England's the road favorite at minus two and 48.5 point total. Everybody on Beeson loves New England. I understand why, uh, because of the big win. 
but they've they sucked the two weeks before that so i don't know which team to believe i don't like houston either i just kind of feel like it's a stay away spot for me personally but what do you think yeah i'm in agreement i think that i would probably lean towards the houston side in this one i think this is way too big of an over adjustment moving right two and a half all the way through zero to two on the other side with new england yes I mean, they looked great on Sunday, and they held down the Lamar Jackson running offense, but I'm still not sold that this New England defense can can stop the pass. And right. uh, the Ravens weren't exactly an offense to take advantage of that, and I think that Houston could. So I would lean that way, but I'm happy to pass as well. Yeah, it's just I don't know what – you know, it's weird. I mean, this team against the Jets was terrible, um, and then they – play their best game of the year probably against Baltimore. Now, Grant, I guess the elements you mentioned really affected throwing the ball and, and mm-hmm. you know, Baltimore can't throw the ball anyway. So let's go to the next one. This is the aforementioned Ravens. They are hosting the Titans now. Uh, the Titans have lost what now? They're six and four or six and three now. They're, they're, they've lost three out of the last four, I think. They are, so they, they open up as a six and a half point favorite, or I'm sorry, six and a half point a dog on the road, Baltimore, 47-point total in the opener. Now Baltimore in the contest is a six-point favorite, 48-point total, so that's pretty similar. Uh, I don't know. It's a lot of points. Um, you know, Baltimore, they're a weird team. I know that they're good. I think they should be able to stop the run, and Tennessee's pass defense is bad. But can they take advantage of that? I don't know. Six points is just a lot of points for me. I don't know if I'm getting on board with Tennessee. The... Uh, it is one of the picks in, you know, that I put down there to discuss to go with Tennessee in this one. Okay. Not sure your thoughts. Man, I don't know if I want to be back in Tennessee now, right now no. either. Uh, rematch of the divisional playoff game last year, where Tennessee yeah. went in Baltimore and just smacked them. So yes, it's an interesting uh, angle on this game, but I don't think this Tennessee team has been playing the same way they were in the postseason last year, and. Uh, on the flip side, I'm not sure that the Ravens have the same offense that they had last year either. So, they don't. I mean, it is a big number, but I'm not sure that I'm ready to jump on Tennessee. Yeah, it's, it's tough. I mean, um, you know, Calais Campbell, I don't think he's going to play again. I heard there's a defensive tackle for Baltimore that's also out. So, I mean, can Tennessee run the ball? That was the thing that was surprising to me, how well the Patriots ran the ball against Baltimore. Mm-hmm. Um on the flip side, I don't think Tennessee is a juggernaut on defense. They should be able to, you know, Baltimore should be able to move the ball on them. So maybe it's another stay away spot. I don't know. I mean, it's just, you know, a lot of points of a team that hasn't played great the last couple of weeks against Baltimore. Sure. All right. Well, Detroit and Carolina, this is the one that we talked about. It's quote unquote off the board most places, but Circa does have the line at one and a half for Carolina. Yes, it does. Interesting. Who is the starter for Carolina now? That's a great question. Uh, outside of Bridgewater? Yeah. I, I want to say Caleb Haney. <laughs> Whoa, really? All right. No, it's a shot in the dark. Let me look that up. What are you, any, any inkling on this game? No, not really. I would probably stay past given both of the quarterback injuries on either side. I do think that Bridgewater is probably going to suit up. But okay. um, even outside of that, I'm not sure that I want to back Carolina here. Yeah, they haven't played that great. Um, you know, it's interesting. They played great against Kansas City. We talked about that last week. They looked terrible. Could stop the run. I mean, 
excuse me, the Lions are running behind DeAndre Swift quite a bit now. Uh, I don't know if that's going to actually translate into a, you know, this game, but they've been different. Who's my backup here? Oh, oh, Will Greer. I don't, I don't, I think he's hurt or something. It's, it says it's this both Will Greer and PJ Walker. I don't know who these guys are. Oh, I don't know who PJ. You know what? Uh, PJ Walker did come in the last Thursday night against the Falcons when Bridgewater went out, so I would okay. expect it's probably him. He's a um, XFL player who shined. Okay. He's one of the best quarterbacks in the few games they played through the early pandemic. But um, yeah, I, I think given the uncertainty in this game, we're better off passing. Yeah, we, we are definitely always passing the top of this card, aren't we? Mm-hmm. Uh, let's get to the next one, which may be a pass. Pittsburgh, uh, they're going to Jacksonville. Uh, Pippen is a 9.5-point favorite, 46-point total there. In Circa, it's 10, minus 10 for Pittsburgh on the road, 46.5-point total. I mean, God, it's like the same, is it the same, you know, Tomlin can't cover a big number, but Jacksonville sucks. I mean, yeah. I don't like I don't like back in Jacksonville. No, I definitely don't have any interest in touching Jacksonville. Luton has played two weeks though and gotten to the window twice as underdogs with point. the Jaguars. But I think that this is the week that Luton's luck will run out because now he's going up against the number one defensive line in the Steelers, and I fully expect that he's gonna be under a ton of pressure on Sunday. And on the flip side, I think that the Pittsburgh offense will be able to move the ball against Jacksonville. So I would probably be happy to throw Pittsburgh in our card. Okay. Yeah, the thing about Jacksonville last week, they went to Green Bay and they just ran it down their throats, right? Mm-hmm. They kept the ball away from Aaron Rodgers. They ended up losing the game, but they were they were really in that game the whole time. Obviously, Green Bay is a cut above, you know, not just Luton, but Jacksonville in general. So 10 points, huh? So you're willing to lay the, lay the wood against Jacksonville with, I mean, I think their defense, of course, Steelers defense is incredible. Um, Jacksonville's defense is very good. No, I mean, I believe we looked at this last week and they're near the bottom. Although they held uh, the Packers offense down a little bit, they weren't able to do much through the air or the run. But yeah, Jacksonville 31 DVOA and 31st and past DVOA. So I think that the Steelers can definitely move it on them. Okay, well, let's keep that in the mix as a possibility. Um, next game is Cincinnati against Washington. You know, interesting with Washington, right? Uh, they Okay, so Cincinnati opened up as a pick uh, on the road, 46-point total. Now Washington is favored by one-and-a-half at home, 46-and-a-half-point total here. I've got the numbers right. I, I don't know. I mean, it's it's kind of interesting. I mean, the Bengals, when they play better defenses, they do crumble, yep. you know. Uh, this one may be one of those situations. But at the same time, I don't know. Like, it's not like Washington dominated Detroit. I guess you, you think Detroit's the offense is pretty good. I mean, I don't know. I mean, Bengals can move the ball on most teams. But against, you know, like the Ravens and Steelers, they get destroyed. So I'm not sure what how to read it. Yeah. I would lean to Washington in this game. I think even though they got into a decent hole against Detroit on Sunday, Alex Smith was actually impressive to me in the way that he, yeah, he, played well. he got the team back in the game. So while last week I was down on this Washington team because of Smith as the starter, he's uh, definitely got an upgrade from me after last week. And you touched on it earlier. I think that we've talked about it several times. When Joe Burrow is under pressure, he has not played well this season. And the Washington mm-hmm. defensive line is certainly capable of that. Okay. 
Let's put it in as a maybe. Right. Am, I, am I back on Washington? Man, we've done it before. All right, how about this one? Atlanta against New Orleans. Uh, Atlanta opened up as a seven-point favorite at home, 51.5-point total with the Breeze news, and it, I think Jameis is going to start. It's down to a four-and-a-half-point favorite for New Orleans, 15.5-point 15, 15 total. I'm all over New Orleans here, dude. I don't understand why the, this line moves so much. And I know Atlanta's playing better. They've, they've won some games. They're 3-1 and one with Raheem Morris at the helm. I just think the defense has turned the corner for the Saints. And I don't think Atlanta's defense is very good. And even if they don't light it up with Jameis, four and a half is not that hard to cover for them. Yeah. And I think, is, is it four or four and a half? Four and a half. Okay. I was thinking of another game. But I am right there with you on this side, which is a little scary because our unanimous selections haven't been going so well. <laughs> but I agree. I think that um, this is probably a bit too much of a move between Breeze and Jameis. We saw yep. Jameis come in on Sunday and play really well. I was um, yes. pleasantly surprised to see that happen. And I think that the other caveat to this is that with Breeze, they're a short passing offense. He's, he throws the yes. ball short, right? And yep. Jameis comes into the lineup, I think that we have every expectation that he's going to look to throw it a little bit deeper than Breeze has. And the Atlanta yes. Falcons defense is giving up a ton of explosive plays. I think they're bottom mm-hmm. of the league and number of explosive pass plays this season. So I think the Saints mm-hmm. will be able to take advantage of that. I agree 100%. I mean, I was shocked listening to Vison just on my walk here before the pod that they were all over Atlanta, and I said – they're going to be conservative, and they're going to have to win with other phases. It's possible this offense could be better with Jameis. I hate to say yeah. that. I just think that he can hit the bigger play, and now, I mean, it decompresses the the defense a little bit. He might have the underneath throws even more than Breeze did because they're going to maybe they okay they'll be conservative, run a little bit with more Kamara, and now he can go deep. Um, I think it's going to help. So we'll see. Um, I like him a lot. Can we back up? There was one more 1 o'clock that we skipped over, I think. Philadelphia on the road at Cleveland. Oh, yeah, for good reason. Uh, Sorry about that. So Philly is going to Cleveland. Cleveland is a three-point favorite at home uh, on the opener, 48-point total, pretty much the same in Circa. Three-point total, a three-point favorite at home for Cleveland, 47.5-point total. Actually, I, I shouldn't have skipped this one. I don't know why action. I'm all over Philadelphia on this one. I don't know. I know. It's a little shocking. Um, I'm not exactly sure if I have good good sound logic here, but um, I just don't think that, that Cleveland can score points. And I think that as I know the Eagles sucked in their last appearance, they were really bad. But I don't know, man. Like this team has more weapons. They should be able to score. We could also stay away, too. Yeah. I just – I'm going contrarian with Philly here. You, you like Cleveland? I'm not sure I like Philly at that number. If it was a couple more, you could maybe garner my interest. But I think that uh, the weather was, again, another huge hindrance for the Browns offense last week. Chubb looked great. Right. And I have every he expectation did. that Cleveland's going to be able to run all over Philly this weekend. Again, another game where there's some inclement weather in the forecast, though, so something to keep an eye on. Right. Yeah, the Philly lost at the Giants last week, and the Giants turned the corner a little bit. All right, let's get back down on the card. I know where you're going with this one. I I might not even have to say anything. Uh, The Jets are going to the Chargers. Uh, The Chargers open as a 10-point favorite at home, 47-point total. 
In the contest, it's eight and a half with a 46 and a half point total. I know you're all over the Jets here, buddy. Come on. <laughs> you, you got your Joe Namath jersey on today. But it is a weird number. I mean, the Jets suck. We know they do. But they're probably going to win a game, first of all. I don't think they're going to win 16. <laughs> Secondly, why are the Chargers eight and a half point favorites? This team's only won, what, two games this season? And they can't cover a number. Mm-hmm. So explain to me this. I don't know. This is very big conundrum to me. I mean, you've seen the move already from 10 to eight and a half, and I'm sure that's probably the right direction for this line. Flacco is the starter again this week for the Jets, and he actually yep. played pretty well in their last outing. Um, Good. Given that, though, I'm not sure that I'm so eager to get to them. Um, so what? I, it could be a pass on this one, unless you really okay. love the Jets. I don't love the okay. Jets at all. Okay. I, I I never really want to back the Jets, but at anything like this, eight and a half, nine and a half, I mean, come on. I mean, the Jets are bad, but mm-hmm. there's people playing for checks out there. You know what I mean? And I just – the Chargers should beat them. They should smash them, yeah. but – no, I'm glad to pass on this. I thought you'd be all over this. No, I'm, I'm on board. Let's pass. You've changed, man. Um, okay, here we go. Miami going to Denver. You know, I've got my Dolphins, my Merino jersey on underneath the shirt. Uh, Miami opened as a one-point favorite on the road, 46.5-point total. That's up to 3.5 points with the lock news, 46-point total. Don't love the hook here action. Do like Miami quite a bit. Love this team, uh, you know. Even to, I might even take a future on them winning the AFC East. Mm-hmm. But damn that hook! If it was three, I'd probably still take it. Uh, but three and a half, ugh, I'm angry. Yeah, this is way too big of a move. I agree wholeheartedly that Miami is the superior team here, and I wonder if part of this has to do with the Drew Lock injury. Although I'm not sure mm-hmm. how much of a difference there is between him and Rippin at this point. But right. given all that, I just don't think that you can lay three and a half on the road with the Dolphins here. Okay. Another stay away. Got to find some games. Here we go. Green Bay uh, going to Indy. Indianapolis is a three-point favorite at home off the opener. 51-point total. Down to one-and-a-half-point favorite at home. 51-point total. I, I, I'm on your Colts, right? Am, am I missing something here? This doesn't make sense. I know that... Green Bay, we love Aaron Rodgers. He can throw the ball, but this defense is legit. They're going to run the ball on on Green Bay, and as long as Rivers doesn't screw it up for us, they should win. Slam dunk. I agree. I think Indianapolis has advantages on both sides of the ball in this game. Green Bay is another soft defense, and they have no no pressure whatsoever on opposing quarterbacks, and Phillip Rivers has been great without pressure on him this season. Mm-hmm. So I have every expectation they'll be able to pass, and the running game should be able to get going as well against the Packers. And on the other side of the ball, this Colts run defense has been stellar with my man Darius Leonard in the middle of that defense. They are animalistic. <laughs> like it, like it. No, I do. I think they're they're going to play really well in this game. Let's go to the next one. Interesting line here. Uh, Dallas is going to Minnesota. Uh, Minnesota open as a nine and a half point favorite. I don't know when that was. And a 47 point total. And now they're a seven point favorite at home. 48 and a half point total. Kind of a big number for Minnesota. I do, this actually will probably be my survivor pick now, just because I've been talking about this and getting advanced down. I have to take certain teams. Mm-hmm. But I, I kind of like Dallas at the number. I don't know if I'm going to back them in our contest, but. It seems like a big number for, for Minnesota. Yeah. 
I agree. I think Andy Dalton's going to be back this week too, which is only going to yeah. be an upgrade. Although Garrett Gilbert was pretty good in the last outing. I thought he was good. I don't know if he's – I don't know if Dalton's better, but <laughs> the defense is playing a little better for Minnesota, for Dallas, and I don't know. I mean, it is a it is a 4 o'clock start. It's not the uh, 1 o'clock start that we're used to for Kirk Cousins, but um, I'm not saying we should pick it in the contest, but I just – I'm probably leaning that yeah, way. Yeah, I'm with you. It is a big number at 7, no doubt about it. Mm-hmm. All right, the next one's oh, this line stinks. Sorry, action. Uh, Kansas City, uh, seven seven point favorites on the road at the Raiders, fifty eight point total. I see as an eight point favorite now in the circuit contest, fifty seven point total. I kind of expected it to be under the seven, but you're all over Kansas City. Oh, no, I don't think so. I, I mean, okay, I I I was surprised that because your your cursor's right there. Oh. I'm like, is he picking Kansas City? I don't know. Eight points is too much. I thought this is going to be down to six or six and a half in Circa. So you, I guess everybody's betting Kansas City. Yeah, huh? well, I mean, Andy Reid off the bye is something that you're going oh, to hear yeah. over and over again this week. And I have every expectation that the odds makers set this line to preemptively strike against those moves. But yes. uh, this number is just way too high. I know that. And yeah. it's also a huge revenge spot. Obviously, the Raiders came into Kansas City earlier this season and put it to them. But yeah. I, I don't know. I, the Raiders have been playing fantastic football lately. And um, you also add into the fact that the Kansas City offensive line is having these COVID issues and they can't practice this mm-hmm. week. I think this is a great spot for the Raiders. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I do love the number. Uh, I hate picking against the Chiefs. Let's put it as a maybe. Okay. Uh, I don't know where we're at with all of our picks here, but Getting close. it's just tough to go against Mahomes in a big spot. It's, it's Sunday night football, and mm-hmm. you know, but but it's just the numbers. Like you, I don't know. It's like the classic action. This, there's something wrong with this number. They're they're, they're inflating the number, like you said, anticipatorily. Mm-hmm. All right, last game on the card: Rams against the uh, Tampa. Uh, Tampa opened as a three-point favorite at home, 49-point total. Uh, now they're at four-point to- uh, four-point favorite in the contest and 48-and-a-half-point total. Looks like you really like Tampa. I understand the concept. Uh, you know, Jared Goff under pressure, not mm-hmm. good. I get it. Um, is there anything to be said that, that Tom Brady in this group has is basically 0-3 against the number in primetime? I'm going to bring it up again. Yeah. So they'll be their fourth primetime game. They're 0-3 so far. Maybe that's just a trend. Uh, if they run the ball, but they, they can't run the ball against the Rams, right? they got to throw it. Yeah, probably true. Yeah, and you are – it is a, a good note. I mean, it's kind of narrative-based, and I, mm-hmm. I can't mm-hmm. really understand if that's the case, how professional athletes, especially the ones like uh, the Tampa Bay team, could, could fold under yeah. pressure like that. But – uh, maybe it has something to do with coaching, too. Right. I, I don't know if I could get behind L.A., though. I, this is just going to be such a difficult spot for them on offense with the Tampa Bay right. defensive line. I'm just not sure. I just envisioned this going a lot like the Bears game did on Monday night the other yeah. week where the Rams can't really do much on offense. And I think that Tampa Bay will be able to do uh, some ball movement and scoring on the Rams. So four is certainly uh, a tough number to cover with two teams that are pretty evenly matched. What do what do your numbers say on this one? Should be the line. Let's see. 
uh, I have it at I have it at three. Okay. I mean, it's it's really pretty close, you know. Really, it, it, it's a well placed number. I mean, four is is again, it's a typical circuit contest number. It makes you pick, yeah. right? Three would be not automatic for the Bucks, but the four gives you pause, and that's what they're supposed mm-hmm. to do. Um, but I guess I mean I, I can get get on board with the Bucks again. Um, we've kind of been on the wrong side of the Bucks all season. Yeah. So it's and it's got to hit it. And right? Monday nights, we've been pretty bad on Monday nights too. So it could definitely convince me to probably keep this one off of our card. Well, let's let's review. So uh, you know, obviously, we didn't do great in the circle last week. We're 0 and 5. Ouch! First time in like a year. Uh, we dropped to 25 and 25 in the season, 50%, which is still decent. But in the contest, we're, we dropped like a stone. We were in decent position. Now we're like 13. 141st now and down in the second quarter um but let's look at our options this week so we were talking about pittsburgh on the road uh laying the 10 washington at home laying the one and a half we love new orleans at four and a half at home we like indy at one and a half so those are kind of our slam dunks and then again the the raiders you know catching the eight seems pretty good and and maybe tampa at home with the four. So we've got some options. We've got two solid solids, and then maybe the Steelers in there as a third solid, and then we just have to decide amongst the other three. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I think that uh, we have a pretty good lineup here, and I also think that there's going to be more COVID news between now, Thursday evening, and Saturday afternoon. So this week, more so than any others, I think it's going to be more important for us to watch that line, the waiver uh, Twitter line and see what kind of injuries right. and actually players that will be in and out could make a huge difference this week. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Um, well, good. Well, good. Well, we'll touch base again on Saturday to, to firm up our numbers when we know, you know, what the COVID news is. Um, I don't have a lot going on this weekend with the shutdown. Yeah. I may try to get out tonight on the patio since probably the last night I'm going to be able to do that. And, oh yeah. You know, Six months or something. No doubt about that. <laughs> it's supposed to be 65 uh, here tomorrow. I don't know about Chi Town. Yeah, it's supposed to be pretty nice tomorrow too. I think it's like 50, okay. but you know when it was, it's, it's high winds today, which I'm like, what is that blowing in? Good God, please God, don't be like snow or something. Um, but one good thing is, you know, Sophia, my daughter's coming home on Sunday. Oh, yeah, we nice. talked to her. She's, she is going to come home from Philly. She's going to do her COVID test and get back here, and then. Um, Besides all this work I'm doing, I guess I'll eventually have some fun over the holiday weekend. So, and I guess we'll have to talk about it. But you know, we'll tape. I doubt we'll tape on Thanksgiving, right? We'll probably tape on. I don't I was know. Thinking Friday. Wednesday night, if you're available, we can take Wednesday. that offline. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Cool, man. All right. Well, let's do it. Well, I know it was a quick episode, everybody. I got something to, to do, but uh, thanks everybody for listening and uh, watching the video on YouTube and. Like us and subscribe. Follow me at uh, Wexpool on Twitter and Instagram. Follow me on Twitter at 31SRoberts. Follow the podcast, the Side Action Pod, on uh, Twitter and also on YouTube. So good luck, everybody. Uh, hopefully you do better than we did last week. Yeah, good luck, everyone. Week 11. <laughs> week 11. That's a wrap for this episode of the Side Action Podcast. We appreciate all of your listens, and thank you for joining us. We'll see you all again next week on Thursday for some more hot picks and side action.
Ride Action Podcast, its owners and associates take no responsibility for the opinions or statements made by the show hosts or their guests. Statements or show topics are not necessarily the beliefs of this podcast, and opinions between talk show hosts may conflict. Individuals following the advice given on the podcast accept their own risk of losses from wagers made, as the Side Action Podcast, its owners, hosts, associates, or guests will not guarantee any advice given. The opinions and advice given on the Side Action Podcast is for entertainment purposes only. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Intro and outro and transition music credits. Song titles, Jerry 5 and District 4 by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.org. Licensed under Creative Commons Attribution 3.0. CreativeCommons.org backslash licenses backslash by 3.0.